Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to our Friday morning cross time with Pastor Curtis meetings here in the studio in Queen City, Texas, right behind Crossway Church. If you live anywhere near Queen City, uh, Atlanta, Texarkana, got a lady here every Friday morning from Shreveport. Uh, so I encourage you to come out, bring your pad, paper, pencil, Bible, cup of coffee, and let's study God's Word together. Uh, so uh, we are starting a new, we did last Friday rather, we started a new teaching session on the righteousness of God or rather God's righteousness. And uh, I really encourage you if you missed last Friday morning's teaching to go back and listen to that uh, as it was a great intro to what we're talking about and it'll even get better today uh, concerning God's righteousness. Nothing God does uh, among men uh, is without His righteousness. If He's working in me, through me, it'll, it'll bear forth the fruits of His righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And so you, you, can, you can learn an, a, a mighty a lot if you will grab your Bibles and follow along with us. I know most of the church doesn't really have a desire in their heart to really learn the things of God. We, we have a greater desire, a lot of us, for the things of the world more than we do the things of God. But those of you who do, grab your Bibles and follow along with us today. And don't forget, Pastors Bob and Sharon Cornell will be here beginning tonight with us, March 22nd, 2019, and uh, 7 o'clock, and in the morning at 10 uh, and then tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, and then, of course, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So let's dig in this morning. We don't have but an hour, and we're wasting time already. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses uh, 16 and 17, and now again, let's uh, remind ourselves we're talking about God's righteousness, the righteousness of God, that which He offers to men, that which He allows us to bear the fruit of among uh, His people. And so uh, let's remember that every week as we gather and we're focused on the righteousness of God. I have a 12 CD series uh, that was put out at the end of 17 into early 18 uh, that was even before the Proverbs 8 and 8 illumination and many other things that have come uh, to our attention now uh, by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So uh, we are learning because we are in the learning place. And I'm not talking about Crossway Church. I'm talking about when the Lord gets you back to a focus of the sacrifice there can He pour into your life the truths of His Word. So 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he says in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So that means men didn't make it up. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And let's talk about that <clears throat> just for a second. It takes the Scripture being uh, manifest by be- being believed in your heart uh, to be thoroughly furnished unto the work of God. It, you, you're, you can't, you know, God may call you, but until He gets you equipped with the Word, He can't send you. And I know that He doesn't wait to send us till we've got it all perfect, but He does wait to send us until we've got the truth. You, he wouldn't send you without the truth because that's what He's speaking. That's what He's declaring. So let's look at this again. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, that, that means it's God-breathed when you look that up. It's definition of the, uh, the words there. It means God breathed His Word into men. He spoke His Word into men. Let me say something about that this morning. There are many people who just sit around and say, God breathed into me this morning. And if it didn't have anything to do with His Word, God didn't breathe in you. God has to tell you something. He has to show you something in His Word for Him to be able to breathe life into you. Life is of the Spirit, and the Spirit gives that life, ministers that experience of that life through our faith 
in the Word of God. Outside of that, it's just you making stuff up, feelings and emotions. And you need to remember that. And that's, there's a huge part of the church into all that today. And they don't have one clue about what God's Word says except for 10 to 12 verses they've, uh, they're using for their fleshly desires and things of that nature. But listen, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means all Scripture, Genesis through Revelation which ties right in with Proverbs 8 and 8. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God for instruction in righteousness. Now let me, let me say that these things that are mentioned in this verse cannot be separated from the instruction in righteousness. Hey, listen, if you're being profited by the Scriptures and God is teaching you if, he, if he's giving you instruction in doctrine or he's reproving you or he's correcting you, that's all for the sake of getting you back to, to the place where you can partake of his holiness. And, and I've said something here recently that we need to be aware of. Nobody can partake of God's holiness without serving his righteousness. Romans chapter 6. And nobody can serve his righteousness unless their faith is in the cross alone. Romans 6. So how much of the church is being reproved? How much of the church is, is being corrected? How much of the church is God trying to instruct in righteousness? And how much of the church is he chastening right now while they're rebuking the devil? And it's not the devil at all. It's the Lord chastening. So you need to think about that. Uh, the, these scriptures tie together. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect. That means what God is doing in him and through him. You won't be perfect till you see Jesus. Thoroughly furnished, he explains the being perfected here, per perfect here, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that's the good works God's called you to do, the ministry He's put you in. And so, but I wanted to tie this together this morning that all Scripture is for instruction in righteousness. And all Scripture is in righteousness and, and, it, and it cannot have an effect on your life for the glory of God, for the fruit of God, uh, unless your faith is in the cross. And not the cross and there's not a mixture. As long as your faith is not in the cross alone, then your faith is not in the Word of God correctly. Because your faith has to be in the cross alone for you to really have your faith in the Word of God written. Let's think about this this morning. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, the Word is God. The Word became flesh. Jesus Christ is God. Okay, the, the, the written Word. You can consider that God. Because God, God's Word is God. The Bible tells us that. I mean, this book laying here is not God, but God has spoken to us, and when He speaks to you, that's who He is. He's revealing Himself to you. So you can't separate the written Word from, from God. You can't separate Jesus from the written Word. From, you can't separate any of that. So what I'm saying is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus outside the Word. Your relationship to what God says is your relationship to Christ and the Father. If you, you, think about that. That's a powerful statement. If you're not really learning what God's Word says, then you're really not being led of the Spirit because He only leads you through your faith in what He's telling you. The Word of God. Not by feelings and emotions and just what I, I feel that's the right thing to do. That's not the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness is Jesus, the righteous one, working in and through you by His Spirit. And we need to remember that. So I wanted to start this morning with that. That all Scripture, not all Scripture and other things, all Scripture alone, 
does God use to instruct, to correct, to chasten? If God's going to chasten you, He's not going to set you out in the highway and let a car run over you. He's going to send somebody with His Word because His children, a lot of folk claiming to be Christians are not Christians. Those who are chastened of God, the Bible says, are His. Those who are without chastening are bastards. They're not the children of God. And there's a whole lot of faking going on in the church today. In the midst of the church, there are many who have crept in, who say the things that sound right and, and, they, and they do the things that look right, but their hearts are far from God. Now, I'm not the judge. I'm not going to point them out, but I'm telling you, that's the way it is. So, and let's get back to where we were last week when we left off. The first use of the word righteousness in the Bible is in Genesis 15 and 6. And the Bible says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. All you have to do for God to impute unto you righteousness is to believe in Christ, his Son, whom he sent, to die for your sins, to believe in Him, to confess Him as Lord, your Lord, to believe that God raised Him from the dead on the third day. That's all it takes for you to, for God to impute His righteousness unto you. And I'll say it again, all throughout this teaching, you have to be righteous to go to heaven. That means you got to be born again. Because that's all it takes to get to heaven is believing in Christ. Not with the head. A lot of people tried it with the head for 80 years and then they realize now they're in a place of torment. We have to believe with the heart unto righteousness. And there's only one avenue of righteousness and that's the work Christ did. Not get in a church and try, try oh, this is all right, this feels right. You know, no. The work you got to look at is the work Christ did. That's the righteous work. And I tell you what, we, we ministered a powerful message Wednesday night that some things came out that you really need to hear. So go back to the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and avail yourself to these teachings. Because we like to think God began a work in us the day we got saved. And in, 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 in a way, that's true. But you have to look at it from God's perspective. And this is what we need to live our, this is how we need to live our lives, not just day day by day and what we think and because here it's just temporal everything has a beginning and an ending but where God is God sees everything all at one time all that has ever been all that will ever be right now and has always there's nothing new to God now see that's too much for us that'll hurt you right there but uh, we need to we need to live our lives according to the best that we can, and that's according to the Word, uh, the way God sees things. And, 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 and we'll be a whole lot better off. And, and not, not the way men sees things, but the way God sees things. And you know, the Bible says in Genesis that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Not his own eyes. Well, this is what I think. See, Cain thought he was going to find grace in his own eyes. But he wouldn't find grace in the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord, the Bible says in Psalms that he guides us with his eye. That means the way he sees we should be led. Not what we think, what he thinks. And we have a Bible, that's what he thinks. And it's in righteousness. So, uh, Abram was considered righteous before God. Now notice, this was before the law. He was already righteous in the eyes of God. Didn't, didn't, and think about this. It's, it's many years, thousands of years before the cross. And he was already considered righteous before God just because he believed in God. Now the fullness of of that could not be experienced by Abraham because he was in a time period he was in. Think about that. Even when Abraham died, he had to go to paradise. He didn't get to go to heaven because Christ had not come. Even though he believed in the coming Redeemer and he was considered righteous before God, a friend to God in relationship with God through his faith in the sacrifice and the promise of a coming Redeemer that would sacrifice his life for us. He was still uh, 
shut up unto the faith, the Bible says in Galatians 3.23. Those people under the Old Testament didn't have anything compared to what we've got. Jesus has already come and manifest and fulfilled. The Bible says that His sacrifice, and why don't we turn there this morning so we can just get this right together. Romans chapter 3. Did we talk about this last week? Probably. Romans chapter 3, verses 25, I believe we did, and 26. This is very important because this is the only avenue by which God declares His righteousness. Think about this. Abraham believed God, and he didn't just believe there was a God. Romans chapter 4 says he believed in the God who justifies the ungodly, the sacrifice. That's all God does to justify the ungodly. He proved that in the Garden of Eden when he rushed in there and preached a message to Adam and Eve and gave them the judgment, but he also preached a message to them based on the foundation he'd already laid from before the foundation of the world, which was his righteous work was already done. That's why God on the seventh day could rest. Think about that. God rested on the seventh day because He'd already laid before the seven days everything that we would ever need in the Lamb. That's the foundation of righteousness. The Bible says His throne is established with righteousness. Think about that. That's powerful. But watch this. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, to declare, I say, at this time just and the justifier of Him which believes in Jesus. Think about that. In verse 25, at the last part of it, it says, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. The forbearance of God. That, now let's go back to Abraham. God was, God was saving folk in the Old Testament. He was considering folk righteous in the Old Testament before Christ came because their faith was in a coming Christ. You understand that? It don't matter. Abel... Look at eight. Let's turn to Hebrews this morning. I'm sorry, I'm making you turn in your Bibles this morning. I know you'll forgive me. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, I believe it is. Where is it that talks about... Uh, huh? There it is, thank you. Verse 4, Hebrews 11, 4, by faith... Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained righteous. Now, see, this is what the church has got to come back to. A focus on the sacrifice. Not that's what got me in, but that is at the same time the only way I can stay in, the only way I can function and live by the faith in Christ, of Christ that did that for me through my journey through this life. You've got to know that. Without your faith in the cross, you're just existing and surviving, and it's just you. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to guide you. But just like Cain pushing that sacrifice out of the way, the same thing happens to anybody who does that because God resists the proud even if it's, if, if it's His prideful own people. If you are the Lord's, He will chasten you. If you're without chastening, and this keeps coming back, if you're without chastening, you are not of the Lord. You can have preached for 30 years and not have been of the Lord. You can be living according to everything that seems right in your mind. You can be a soft-hearted person just by nature instead of a... I mean, you can be a soft-hearted person, hospitable, just by... just. By nature, you can be that type of person. Just because you're lost and without Christ doesn't mean you're mean and obnoxious and running around raping and stealing and killing. You, you can be a good old boy. A good old boy. I want you to think about something this morning. Cain, Cain came to the place of sacrifice. Cain came to bring something to God. And, but God won't receive anything you offer Him today. 
unless it's through the sacrifice. And you may have already been saved. You may be, have already been declared righteous before God because you did believe from the heart in Christ. That is believing under righteousness, His work. And you've been declared righteous by God. But now God is demanding righteous fruit from you. Let me say it again with big capital letters on demanding. He is demanding righteous fruit from you demanding righteous fruit, commanding you to bear righteous fruit. I know the church is like, what? Demanding and commanding that you bear righteous fruit because if you don't, only you are being seen and not Him. And it ain't about us being seen. It's about us expressing Him. And if we don't bear fruit, if we deny the, the, the avenue which fruit bearing takes place, Jesus said, every branch in me that bears not fruit, my Father will take out. Now I know the Baptist and some other denominations have, have changed that all around and made it sound so, so all spiritual that it doesn't mean He plucks you out of the vine. It, it just means he, he, he lifts you up toward the sunshine so you can get more light and all this weirdness. And, and they have to say those things because of the heresy in those certain denominations of the once saved, always saved, that your name really can't be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life, although Jesus said it could, and you really can't be spewed out of the mouth of God, even though Jesus said you could. You, you really can't be plucked out, even though Jesus said you could, and so they have to change all the stories behind the scenes to, to fit their false doctrine. But let me warn you this morning, if the Bible says it, and the Bible's to believers, not the lost then you better be on guard. You better let grandma and grandpa go in their deception if they don't want to believe you. And you better stick with the Word. What a horrible thing to wake up one day at the great white throne judgment and that be the time you wake up. Because everybody there will be wide awake. There will be no slothfulness. There will be no uh, cloudiness. It will be full, total illumination. This is the Son of God. This is God. This is the Judge. This is the Lamb of God. This is the one I avoided. There won't be any anything like uh, confusion. It's not. It, they're going to know who He is, and He's going to tell them who they are: workers of iniquity. Amen. So, but look at this again in Hebrews 11 and 4. By faith, notice faith is always tied to the sacrifice. By faith, I know, wait a minute. Some people say, no, brother, faith, faith, it ain't always tied to the sacrifice. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But all God's Scripture is in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All God's words are in righteousness. And righteousness only comes to us through grace. And grace only comes to us, not just initially, but every moment of the day through our faith in the cross. Watch this. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Doesn't mean Cain's was excellent, but Abel's was more excellent. That's not the terminology there. It than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God, by it, he being dead, yet speaks. You understand that? Righteousness is still being declared through the, the faith of Abel today. And it happens through history of all Christians who've had their faith in the cross see faith never stops speaking faith it'll speak for eternity as God raises us up as trophies of his grace the beauty of what he did at Calvary um, not the beauty of all that you did while you were on the earth that won't exist it'll be the beauty of all the fruit see God's grace in your life is the fruit of what Jesus accomplished at Calvary 
we're prideful. We Oh, we're so prideful. We think that we're going to get awarded and rewarded and laying up treasures for ourselves and we're going to have plaques that some people don't have in their houses. No, no, no. Everything that you have is in heaven. All the rewards, the treasures you've laid up, listen, they're all, they all belong to Christ because they're all what He was allowed to do in and through you. Not just what you decided to do, but what He did. And He ain't doing nothing outside of faith in the sacrifice because it's what I said when I started today. If God is doing it, it has righteous fruit. And if it's God's righteous fruit, that means it's by grace through faith and it has to be tied to the sacrifice. The Word of God is always tied to the sacrifice. If the only avenue of grace and righteousness is the death of Jesus and all God's words are in righteousness and all scriptures for instruction in righteousness, then that means we've got to look at every word we read, everything we study, everything we hear through the sacrifice. Every single thing, every lesson in the Bible has to be seen in the context of Calvary. And there's, there's people even in cross-preaching churches that hadn't come to that conclusion yet. They like the preaching on the cross. They like the scriptures they're hearing in some places. But then they think it's okay to also hear this guy who's not bringing in the message of the cross with his lessons and his teachings. And listen, let me tell you something, preacher, if you're listening to me today, and you're making comments behind true preachers of the cross, they're back. That you don't have to preach the cross every time you get in the pulpit. You, my friend, are a part of the... You're playing a part in the apostate church. You are playing a... How do you think the church became apostate? By that very phrase. Well, we don't have to preach the cross all the time. Oh, yes, we do. Because God's Word can't be understood and the Holy Spirit can't impart it except as our hearts believe unto righteousness. The Word of God in its righteous context. Not just me opening the Bible and saying, okay, I believe that, I'm going to go do that. No, you're not. You don't believe it because you can't without the Holy Spirit. Because, listen, you can believe it on your own, but I can believe I can ride a bicycle. It hasn't got anything to do with God. Same with the Bible. Just because God said it, just because it's here for us to read, doesn't mean you can just open it up and read it and quote it and memorize it and go do it. doesn't work that way. It's got to be tied to the one who claimed to be the living word. The living word, Jesus. And the only thing, and I love this, James said the Bible, God's word, is the perfect law of liberty. And there's no liberty for anybody outside the blood of Jesus. And it is not. I believed in Christ and I'm saved now and then I can do with the Word what I want. No, I was saved by believing in Christ, the living Word, and what He did at Calvary. And now the Word of God becomes who Jesus really is to me, where Jesus really leads for me, what Jesus will really do for me through my faith in the only avenue He works for me. We need to remember that. So, uh, this is a good scripture. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God, he being dead, yet speak us. Let's, let's bring another thought in. The Holy Spirit's given me right now. The baptism with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is to be a witness unto God. How can you... What happens when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit and you don't know the message of the cross? Because by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness. The only way we can be a witness unto God is through faith in the sacrifice. Not because you got baptized with the Holy Ghost. You can be a big dummy, a fool acting. You can be silly and foolish even after you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit if you don't know the avenue through which God works. Just because you got baptized with the Holy Spirit don't mean now that you're going to bear the righteous fruits of Christ. Without faith in the cross, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, here it comes, listen closely, does you absolutely no good. None. Quiet up in here this morning. If you don't know the only avenue through which God works, and the baptism with the Holy Spirit is for the one. Do I need to say anything else? 
Amen. You can't, you can't refute it. Not with the Bible. Being filled with the Holy Ghost, being baptized with the Holy, Holy Spirit is to be a witness unto God. And God sees us as a witness unto Him through faith in the sacrifice. Amen. Amen. You can be a Christian, don't mean you're going to live for God. You can be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I speak from experience. It don't mean you're, you're just going to now have everything you need to live for God. No. You get power when the Holy Spirit comes. But it's for ministry. And it's just been limited in the, in the church for the last hundred years. 99.9% just for altar calls. Just for things happening in altars instead of where it's supposed to be being used for. Mmm. That's right. Amen, Brother Curtis. Oh, he's making me mad this morning. That's all right. You got to get mad before you get glad. Abraham believed in the Lord, which means he trusted and became uh, built up, supported, and permanent. That's what this means. Abraham believed in the Lord, which means he trusted in the Lord, and he became built up, supported, and he became permanent. See, when God declares you righteous... That's, in that is what He builds in. That is where, when He makes you righteous through your faith in the righteous one, Christ, who did the righteous work for you, listen, that's a permanent work. You're eternally His now. Through that, through faith. It is conditional. It's not unconditional. His love is unconditional. But listen, it's not just unconditional eternal security. It's conditional. It is by grace through Faith. Amen. So, the word counted here in this scripture, he counted it unto him for righteousness. We're back in Genesis 15, 16. Listen to this. means he interpenetrated. It means to weave, to fabricate, to esteem, to account. All these words, definitions of what it means to account, means God became one with him. He interpenetrated. He, he, he became something. To, he gave Abraham something Abraham didn't have that you have to have. It's, and listen, it's more than just a trip to heaven when you die. L listen, remember what the Bible said about Abel. He, he, he got a witness from God. That witness is something that you know, that you know, that you know. When God's bearing witness, He's doing it to your heart that's believing. Think about that. We sometimes wonder, well, how did the saints of old, how did they do all that? How did they know God? How did they you know, walk with God? Because God gave them witness. God gives them witness. God does that to their heart. He, he, he brings the witness of who He is. When, they, when we accept Him as our Savior through what He did in His Son at, at Christ at Calvary, he, he, it's called many things in the Bible. He seals us with His Spirit. He gives us a new heart, a new spirit. We, all things become brand new and the terminology is forever. But He bears, he bears witness and the Bible says that in Romans chapter 8, doesn't it? That our spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit who is God that we are the children of God. He gives us that witness. I don't know what Cain saw that made him so mad. It might have been God sending fire on the sacrifice, which he did often in the Old Testament, but the Bible doesn't say he did that. It just said there that he... He obtained witness that he was righteous. That's, let me tell you something. If you get around folk, God ain't got to send fire to burn up stuff to make it look like you got some power. That witness of who God is in you is going to trouble those who don't have that witness. And it could have just simply been that maybe, that Cain just didn't like the peace his brother had, the joy his brother had, because you get all that stuff when your faith is in the sacrifice. You're not living a fake life anymore. You've got the real deal. You've got God bearing witness in you. And folk don't like that that don't have that same witness. They don't like this message of the cross. And it's because they're working so hard in all these programs to try to prove to everybody they work and, and, they're, and, and they're not providing for them what we have by simply believing in Christ. 
We're not having to work for all these things like they are to prove this works and, and this works and if you'll just do these things. Well, we've been delivered from all that. We've been brought back to the exclusive place that God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and we've got that peace without asking for it, that strength without working or even asking for it because our faith is in that through which the Lord just gives us those things. Jesus taught if you'll seek me, my kingdom, my righteousness before all things first, I'll add all these things to your life. He didn't say you'll have to ask for them. He didn't say you'd have to work for them. He said, I'll add them. I'll add them to your life. And see, it's only those who God is able to bring back to Calvary, it's only those who God will show through chastening them that are His, that those things they've trusted in for years have not worked. They've been faking it. They've been making up. And if they are the children of God, they know they know that down deep in that inner place there's always been something there that says this ain't real, this ain't right, this something I just can't put my finger on. Well, if you'll look back to Calvary, my friend. There's something you can put your finger on. There's something you can put your heart into. And that is what God will come and the Holy Spirit will give you the assurance that you've not had while plaguing yourself with all these things. You need that witness. See, being the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ gives you that inner witness. Maintaining your faith there allows you to experience that inner witness. We can be faked, faked out as Christians, we, and I have been. You, you can think you're right in the um, great move of God, and God be nowhere near there. Mind is a powerful thing. But when God counts you righteous through your faith in the blood of Christ alone, not that and water baptism, not that and you going to church, not that and you giving tithes and offerings, that alone. Think about that. When God sees your faith in what Jesus did, your heart believing, not this thing going thump, 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 but who you are, that, just who you are with all give our lives to Christ from the heart we believe. That's why a lot of people never change. They only agree right here. But when with the heart we believe unto righteousness, behold, everything becomes new at that point. Those are the people who begin to move away from crowds they had no business being with. Those are the people who begin to separate themselves from people that have been bad company and they've been corrupted by them. Listen, those are the people who begin to uh, find a place to be planted and flourish in the house. Those are the people who they have the witness of God now. Somebody who's just thinking this is right but they've not believed it with heart. They don't have the witness yet. The witness takes place in the heart. And those are the people whose lives are being changed who are experiencing the witness of God, walking with God. Amen. So God accounted Abraham's belief in the Lord as righteousness. Righteousness, I have here, is that which is right and just in the eyes of God. And really, if you think about it, righteousness is something that is perfect. That's why God says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. That's right. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags, but the righteousness of Christ is a perfect righteousness. It was a perfect work. It was a, 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 a sinless Messiah. Sinless, sin-bearing offering. He never had a sin, thought, word, or deed. He lived his complete life without sin as the spotless Lamb of God without blemish. And he laid his life down for us. And that's the righteous, here it comes, perfect work. That's why he can do a perfect work in you if your faith is in the only perfect work that's ever been done. Even when God is using us, we still make mistakes in the midst of it. But whatever He does in all of that is a perfect work. Yes. Yes. 
Think about that. And it's, it's just coming to my mind this morning right now, but I want you to think about this. All the years that we were out there in false ministry, the only time God was able to do anything that was fruitful, and I'm talking about people like me who did not know the way of the cross for sanctified living, for victory, that, that we were trying this and all these things. The only fruitful times there were was when we told the truth of Christ and what He did at Calvary and folk got saved. Because if I don't know the way of the cross for living daily, then all I can do, all I can do is tell somebody about Christ so they can get saved, but after that I'm done. I'm done. And that's why my heart grieves for all these people who are being saved today. Thank God for them. I'm not grieved because they're being saved. I'm grieved that after they are saved, immediately they, they get grafted in and, and buried up in these schemes that men have wrote and introduced to the church today. And as soon as they're born again, they're taught all these things they have to do instead of just continuing to fight the good fight of faith to maintain your faith in the sacrifice. Amen. Because it's the faith of Jesus that justified you. Church has, a, church has a little confusion about that. Well, I thought it was my faith in Him. Yeah, it's your faith in Him. That, that is equivalent to you believing with the heart under righteousness. If I'm not believing with the heart under righteousness, that, it's not faith. It's not faith. If I'm believing something because I say I believe it or think I believe it, but it's not with my heart unto righteousness, it's not faith. Can we say it this way? True faith always, always brings the fruit of righteousness. If your heart is believing unto righteousness, that means we're serving obedience, Christ's obedience unto righteousness. And we are, Romans 6, 16, or we're still serving the sin nature. That means the fruit of our believing with the heart under righteousness, the evidence, the manifestation, the expression is the fruits of Christ's righteousness. Why don't we stay here for a minute? If we're believing with the heart unto righteousness, that means righteousness is the fruit. If we think we're believing under righteousness, if we think we're in the faith, if we think that we have faith, but it's not bearing forth the fruits of His righteousness, that faith is a wrong faith. That's why the object of faith has to be that one, one righteous work that God was pleased with and confirmed and through it, Romans 3, 25 and 26, declared His righteousness through it. He's not declaring His righteousness from anywhere else. He's not declaring anybody righteous because they went to church, read three chapters every day for 50 years. He's, he's not. Listen, that's the Cain group. That's the spirit of Cain that said, well, you know, God's a God of love and God loves us all. They state these factual thoughts and, and, and things because the devil's tell it. The devil will tell you God loves you if he knows you're not going to believe in the cross of Christ. Think about in Noah's day. Think about this. How many people were on the earth that day and how many grandfathers and fathers were telling their sons and grandsons, granddaughters and, and daughters, don't worry about that old man. God loves us. He put us here. Why would He wash us away with a flood? But remember what Noah was, a preacher of righteousness. They had no desire for God's righteousness. They had no desire for a coming Messiah, a coming Redeemer. They had no desire for that. They were all caught up in marrying and giving in marriage and eating and drinking and whatever they were. They're, they're per, nothing wrong with getting married and going. Ain't nothing right. But they were. They didn't care about no righteousness. And hear me. They might have said they were righteous, but they didn't care about that avenue through which it comes. And if you don't, if your faith is not in the sacrifice, you have not of Christ. I'm speaking of. You have nothing to do with righteousness. It cannot be bare out in your life. God only declares those righteous who put their faith in, who with the heart. And I have to, from now the rest of my life, because God's showing me this, I have to say this: faith in the cross is believing with the heart unto that righteous work. 
Faith in God's Word is, is with the heart, I'm believing now, unto the righteous words of God through the avenue through which righteous only comes, righteousness only comes, the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'm not saying it good enough, but I'm saying it good enough for you to understand it and you can take it and you can run with it. I'm just thankful that there are men on the planet back in the late 90s, God began to illuminate the Scriptures to them, this great reformation that we're in now. And listen, I thank God for them and God's still doing a work through them and because of them, churches are being raised up. But just like in the days of Martin Luther where God gave him the illumination of the Scriptures concerning justified by faith alone, not works and then other men took that and lit I mean they lit up with other things throughout the years and what God brought back into the church through Brother Swaggart in the late 90's men now are taking that and running this race with a bright light and God is pouring out the revelation of Jesus Christ through the illumination to our hearts in the word of God I'm telling you, it's not all about me. It's not all about some preacher. It's not even all about the ones. Listen, God gave Paul the revelation of the cross. It was such a powerful revelation, he had to give him a thorn in the flesh. But get this, it's not about Paul. It's about Jesus. The whole creation is about Jesus. He created all. The Bible says all things are from Him, for Him, because of Him, by Him, and to Him. Everything is about Jesus. And He is our Lord of righteousness. Man, this is good today. God judges and makes war in righteousness. The last use of the word righteousness in the Bible is Revelation 19.11. And I mentioned this last week at the end, and we're just, I think I read it last week. Revelation 19.11, John writes, And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. Now we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But Andrew sent me a text this morning. He's in Bible college down in Baton Rouge just being blessed and growing and, 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 and having open doors and, and man, the Lord just blessing. But he sent me this text this morning and he said, do you think, just a question, not a declaration, he said, do you think that the reason God was able to, to uh, allow John to be the only disciple that wasn't martyred The reason that God gave John you know, the opportunity to write the letters to the seven churches and other things that he wrote and the only one that didn't get martyred, do you think it might have had anything to do with he was the only one at the cross? The rest of them went running. But John was there with the mother of Jesus, Mary. Just a thought. We're not teaching that. We're not preaching that. We're not writing a book. Coming tonight at 10 o'clock. No, I know he's coming today, but I'm not writing a book. Amen? Amen. How can you say you know he's coming today? Well, I, I'm, I don't know that he's coming today, but I'm looking for him today. I expect him to come. You know, are you expecting to go do anything today? Well, you probably will get to do that, but you don't know. I'm expecting Jesus to come today. If you're not looking for him, you're not expecting him. Amen. So watch this. And I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Well, that's got to be Jesus, for nobody else is faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. Now think about this. Paul, some people have in the church, many people, even some Bible scholars in the church are starting to push Paul aside saying negative things about Paul. Church down the road in Texas County ripped the book of Galatians, I mean Romans out of their Bible saying Paul doesn't really have it like we have it today. All this silliness because they don't understand the cross. Their faith is not in the cross. Even if they say it is, it's not. Your faith is not in the cross of Christ if you rip Romans out of your Bible. Right. Or if you rip Genesis out of your... If you rip anything out of the Bible, your faith is not in the cross. Even if you say it is. It's not. It can't be. Because true faith 
would let you... It comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. And true faith values everything I can get my hands on that God has said, which is Genesis through Revelation. But the one that's coming, Jesus is coming. And when He comes, the Bible here says that in righteousness He's going to judge. That means all His judgment is in righteousness. And that the way He makes war is in righteousness. That's why when he comes riding on that white horse, he's going to have a vesture dipped in blood. Jesus is not ashamed of what he did at Calvary. Mm. And preachers need to quit being ashamed of what he did at Calvary. And if we're not preaching it, it's because we're either ignorant and we don't know we should be, but if you're listening to me, the Holy Spirit's reminding you this is all there is to preach because that's all the Word is about. Or rebellion is set up in your heart. And that's, that's big in the church. Listen, there are churches, there's right here, probably in every town in America, that thinks God is speaking outside the Word. And listen, He may tell you some things like, uh, you shouldn't treat her that way. You shouldn't have said that to her. But that's all based on His righteousness. Everything, remember, you can't get away from it. Everything God has ever said, everything God will ever say, here it is again, is in righteousness. He judges in righteousness. And how does He judge? Paul said, and y'all stop me short in my story about Paul again, but Paul said all men are going to be judged according to my gospel. Think about that. What a bold, powerful statement by a man. Who does he think he is? I don't like that. Who does he think? That's awful confident and prideful. I'm ripping that out. He didn't really mean that. That was wrong. Oh, no. All men will be judged by the gospel God gave Paul because the gospel is the only revelation of how God makes sinners righteous and teaches saints how to live as righteous. Think about that. All men are going to be judged according to Paul's gospel. The message of the cross. What would you do with it? If you got in, you're going to stand before him at the, 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 the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to be judged based on what you did with what you had. What you did with what you had. And many are going all of us are going to say, oh, well, it's obvious we could have done more. But there's some that's going to scarcely, scarcely make it in. They got saved and they never, they just, you know what I'm talking about. But we need to remember this. And when we read scriptures like this, that he's, He is going to judge, He judges in righteousness, He makes war in righteousness. Why? Because it's all based on what He said. God deals with men based on what He has spoken to men. We either by faith with the heart believe what He said or we reject what He said. And it doesn't matter what I say to God with my lips. I can be telling God, yes, I'll serve you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I'll do all these things. And my heart is telling God, no, I'm not going to do that because with our actions, we prove what our heart believes. Amen. When God thundered at Mount Sinai and the people said, oh, we can't handle this. And, and, but their, their end result was, yes, we'll do all these things. We'll do them all. But their hearts... And they came to Jesus in His day on the earth when He walked on the earth and, and He said, look, you draw near me, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's telling me something different. Your hearts are telling me that you're far away from me. You have an appearance that you want me. But your hearts, they're not anywhere around here. And it's with the heart we have to believe under righteousness. God don't honor me going to church. He don't honor me reading the Word. People, Christians freak out on that. He don't honor my giving unless it's done with a heart that's believing unto righteousness. That means faith in the cross. Without that object, I can't 
have true faith. I can't believe under God's words are out of their righteous context unless they're in context with the righteous one and the righteous, the only righteous work he's ever done. You say, well, if that's the only righteous work, aren't we called to do righteous works? Yes, but they only function in faith in through the righteous work he did. Think about that. God don't honor, and I used to say this a lot, but God only honors what God does. He don't honor what I do. He honors what He does in and through me. If it ain't Him doing it and it's just me, He don't honor that. He don't honor that. And He's actually opposing me in that. And I can be rebuking the devil while He's opposing me. All of God's judgments and all of His warring, His warring is done in righteousness. Those who oppose God's judgment, which is what He accomplished at the cross in Christ, oppose His righteousness. So could we say that these who oppose God's judgment, the way of Christ and His cross, are at enmity with and at war against God as they are opposing His righteousness? Let's say this this morning, a thought we might have said through the years, we'll say it again, the cross of Christ is God's judgment against all things. That's why the message of the cross coming back in the church is God's judgment beginning in the house of God. The cross of Christ is the judgment of God. Think about it in this way. Before God created the earth, before He put us on the earth, before He breathed into us and set us in motion to, to have dominion over the earth, He had already done something for us. He had already laid the foundation in righteousness. Think about that. So He would already started with righteousness. That was the work. That's where He began the work before we were ever here. And, and it's only through that that we can experience Him, His way in all those things. And listen, and I about lost my train of thought there. Y'all did that to me again. But God judged everything to do with man based on what He had already done before the foundation of the world. The cross, the lamb slain is God's judgment. You didn't accept Him. I'm throwing you, I'm casting you into a lake of fire. You did accept Him. You are mine. You're not at that judgment, but you're here at the great white throne judgment. And you did or you didn't. <laughs> it's what you allowed me to do in you because I did move into you. You became mine. I bear witness in you that you're my child. But the great white throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ are all in righteousness. The great white throne judgment is a people by the billions, billions, almost all people, almost all people that rejected the righteousness of God. The judgment seat of Christ, Christians alone there, are the ones who in ignorance never knew how to live for God because they, they didn't continue to hear the message of the cross through the years and they, they can't bear any fruit if you don't know that. And that's very dangerous according to what Jesus taught in John chapter 15. But it's all based on God's righteousness, both all His judgment. Because God's Word is God's judgment. And God judged before the foundation of the world. That's why he could rest. He'd already hit the gavel down. It'll all be about my son Jesus and what I've commanded him to go do. He hit the gavel. God said, it's finished. Yes, Hebrews 4.3 says, the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Boom. The lamb slain. Now let's set this thing in motion. God, I can just see God. Now let's get involved in this. It wasn't God setting things in motion, breathing into the uh, man and him becoming a living soul and God just kicking back, well, I'll just wait for him to get through all that. No, God, so as a, he made judgment 
And he, he created us, put us in motion. He said, now let's get involved in this. Because without God involved in His creation, it can't make it. But the only way he gets involved and has a people is if they get involved and make correct judgment based on his judgment. Every judgment in your life is based on what you're doing with God's judgment of the cross. Every decision you make. Think about that. Every decision you make. That's why we're to bring every thought captive to the judgment of God, which is what? The obedience of Christ unto death. That's God's judgment. The cross is God's judgment. Folk, the church and preachers who don't want the message of the cross, preachers have said, do we really want that message in our town? God is chastening them. They're rebuking the devil. They're, they're giving credit to men for the message of the cross instead of the revelation of the Lamb throughout all of Scripture. Think about that. God's judgment is done in righteousness. And even that in which He makes war is based on His righteousness. Think about when Lucifer and a third of the angels rushed heaven. What threw them to the earth? What, what, what threw them out and, and made them feel like big dummies? <laughs> you think you're going to raid heaven and take God's throne over that's established in righteousness? And they were cast out and thrown down like a bolt of lightning. And that was done in righteousness. God judged them. In righteousness. He makes war. The Bible says there was war. Well, God, He only makes war in righteousness. See, the Lamb is the one that threw them out. The Lamb's the one that threw them out. Can't nothing stand against the Lamb. You heard me say recently, and I know I've got to quit. It's 10 o'clock. But I personally believe that the Lamb and the Lion, the person of Jesus Christ as the Lamb and the Lion was on the cross. Because as a Lamb, a weak Lamb, humble Lamb, laying His life down in humble humility and obedience was the roar of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I believe it was such a roar that men didn't even hear it, but the earth heard it and it caused the earth to quake and the veil to be ripped from top to bottom. Such a roar from that line that said, I've took your power from death. I've took the power of death away from you. You have it no more. As a lamb, he is a lion. Hallelujah. His roar is loud in our lives as the witness of his righteousness. Praise God. Well, we're out of time. I uh, hope you join us every Friday morning right here at 9 o'clock a.m. Central Time for Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. We're talking about, discussing, teaching, I hope, uh, on God's righteousness. Tune in every week. Watch these uh, teachings on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, or the website, The Crossway Church. We love you. God bless you. And until next week, Stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you.